Welcome back to NL Newsday. Jeff Andreas here. Hoping everyone is having a lovely Monday so far and a nice January so far since this is the uh, first day of the week. And it's actually my first official Monday show here in 2021. Pleased to welcome to the program now for her first appearance with me in this new year, Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me and welcome back. Hey, thank you so much. I had a fantastic holiday. Uh, how about yourself? Did you have a, a good little bit of time to yourself here, I hope? I had what I needed. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, let's get into some of the news of, uh, I guess, last week. Distracted driving. So some big news on this front here in B.C. So uh, I guess just a quick little bit of background. Uh, a previous case, a provincial court had ruled having a phone on your lap is not distracted driving. But then the B.C. Supreme Court had overruled that finding. So to follow that up, well, there was another contentious issue about whether having a phone placed somewhere such as a cup holder is okay. And around this time last year, a court had overturned a driver's ticket for having his phone charging in a cup holder. And a ruling last week now from the BC Supreme Court held up the idea saying, having a loose phone in your cup holder while listening to music or a podcast through your car speakers is not distracted driving. Kyla, I guess I'll just start by getting your initial reaction here, because you were on Twitter here late last week, basically saying how confusing this ruling really is and and how there's so much gray area involved in this distracted driving conversation that seems to be continuing happening on on a very frequent basis. This ruling is incredibly confusing. It's confusing because it goes against what what I had always interpreted the law to mean, and I've I've said on on your show numerous times that if you're doing anything with the phone, listening to music, using GPS maps, um, talking uh, on uh, like a speaker function of the phone or Bluetooth, um, it has to be securely mounted to the vehicle or to your person. But the court actually found that that wasn't what the legislation says, and that, that really surprised me. And it also, I think, highlights the great deal of confusion that there is in the distracted driving law. The line in this case was essentially drawn between actively using the phone and passively using the phone. So having it pre-programmed to play a podcast or your music and then sitting in the car while it's connected via Bluetooth and playing that through the speakers of the vehicle counts as passive use of the phone. Active use of the phone, of course, includes things like touching it, possibly could include talking on the phone through a Bluetooth function in your car that we still don't know the answer to. And I think that's a big one for a lot of people because, you know, most of the time with our phones, what we're doing is we're talking on them or we're dictating a text message or something like that. And whether or not that's allowed and having the phone mounted, we still don't know the answer to. Okay, so a lot to unpack there in that statement. So um, it's okay to charge your phone in your cup holder, and I guess now it's okay to have your phone in your cup holder if you're using it to listen to music or or uh, play a podcast, as long as you're not physically interacting with the phone itself. I guess is that kind of the, the clearest way to put it, as you would understand it based on this, knowing that there is a lot of confusion still? Yes. If you're not actually interacting with the phone in any way, you're not touching it, you're not uh, directing the phone to do something, you're not, you know, tapping to shuffle the song or to, you know, flip to the next episode of the podcast, that is fine. Okay. Um, With that in mind, then, so if you were to be using, say, like voice command, does that provide a whole nother scenario here? I mean, is that potentially okay? Or could that potentially also be interacting with your phone in a physical way? 
the court doesn't really get into the issue of using voice commands or things like that in the case because it never arose. Um, and so they don't directly decide the issue of, of using voice commands. It's certainly more in the line of active use. Although it seems to be that where these cases are falling, where the line is being drawn, is active use that involves some sort of touching or handling of the phone. Um, I would also point out that it's very difficult to prove in court that a person was using a voice command to operate the phone. So the likelihood of this type of scenario exactly being tested by the court, uh, you know, is going to be much more slim than, than the passive use situation that we finally saw being addressed. Uh, last week. Now, this specifically talks about, uh, you know, use of of your phone in a cup holder. I guess if I have my phone in my lap, though, that would still just be kind of a a strict no-no. Yes, your phone in your lap is a strict no-no. It's it's your phone is touching you, so that would constitute use. Um, Essentially, you need to make sure that the phone is not touching you. And the reason why the court came to this conclusion was sort of the absurdity of the extension of the argument that the prosecution was making in the case. Um, You know, if the law were such that the phone either had to be mounted to the vehicle or mounted to your person, then if the phone's in a pocket, if it's in your purse in the back seat, if it's in the glove box, if it's in the trunk, it doesn't meet any of those requirements under the legislation, but it obviously doesn't pose any risk whatsoever, um, even that it's going to come loose and and pose a hazard in that regard. And it was that that sort of logical extension of the position taken by the court um, that the or the crown that the court found was was problematic about the legislation. So if you are going to be using your phone and you're thinking about the scenarios in which you might use it, think about you know, the extension of what you're doing, could this create a risk? And as long as you're doing something that couldn't itself create a risk and doesn't involve the physical handling of the phone, it seems to be that that's where ultimately people are going to be successful in challenging the interpretation of the legislation. Okay. So that sounds like it could potentially, you know, if you were to be pulled over for using your device in any way, you know, it's really going to be difficult to to prove how it was being used in court. That's kind of how I understand this. No matter what the situation is, it's still going to be difficult to prove, um, you know, whether you were um, disregarding the law or or even abiding by it in these particular set of rules, just because there is so much uncertainty about, um, you know, how to particularly interpret them. I guess with that in mind, you know, from a lawyer's point of view, would you say you'd probably just be better off to get some kind of mount for your phone if you're going to be using it at all inside your vehicle just to make sure that, you know, you are going to come out on the right side should some officer have a question about what you're doing? I mean, my advice to anybody is if you're going to have your phone in your vehicle and be doing something with it, put it somewhere where it can't be seen, whether it's a glove box, your purse or a bag on the back seat, the trunk, your pocket, or put it in a mount because you're not likely to attract any attention if your phone's mounted and you're not touching it or if there's no phone in sight. If you're doing something that's going to have an officer see your phone while they walk up and peer in your window at a red light, you're more likely to get a ticket and then more likely to be in a position where you're going to have to dispute it. Okay. So anyone who uses their phone at all, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't be using it while you're driving, period. But if you're doing it for, you know, maybe you got a Google map, something or whatever the case, you're better off having a mount, which makes perfect sense. Uh, I guess we'll kind of go 
back to the initial conversation around this, just the issue in general. And you and I have talked about this a number of times over the course of the past year plus, but there's just so much confusion around this. And you have said numerous times that you probably think this legislation should just be completely ripped up and rewritten in order to make it more clear. And I assume that you stand by that based on that this still this new ruling is complicating things probably even further. This new ruling is complicating things further. I've had dozens of questions already uh, since the ruling came out about what this means and various scenarios that people have found themselves in. Um, the government owes clarity to everybody. And if the law is being enforced and interpreted by government lawyers and by police officers in a way that's resulting in convictions that aren't fair, and it's been consistently doing this since it was passed in 2010, then it is time. 11 years have passed now. It is time for the government to do something to change the law to make it abundantly clear. It's not that hard to write clear legislation when you know what it is specifically that you want to prohibit. And we've seen from the development of these cases what the government's intention seems to be as far as prohibiting conduct. They can just write that out in the law in no uncertain terms and make it clear for everybody. There's no excuse for dragging it on this long and costing taxpayers thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in failed prosecutions and in appeals that never should have had to be conducted. And and one of the things that you and I have talked to when having this conversation as well is just around the, you know, rapidly changing technology that we see so frequently, right? It's hard to keep up with the changes in technology when it comes to these legislative rules. So with that in mind, if we were to, or if the government were to go about you know, ripping up this current legislation as it stands now pertaining to distracted driving, write it in a very clear way so that, you know, officers, law enforcement know how to enforce the rules and people know how to actually abide by them. Once that's in place, it probably is a much simpler process to go and revisit it on an annual basis to see how technology has changed and if any of the rules within that legislation need to be altered. Exactly. If you prohibit clearly in express wording specific conduct and you expressly allow other conduct, if technology evolves to make that either safe or unsafe, as the case may be, it's very easy to amend a small part of the legislation rather than have to rewrite it every time. And, and the reality of what we're at now is that the government can't tweak anything in relation to the distracted driving law as it stands, without significant overhaul um, because of the way that the court decisions have interpreted it and because of the way that technology has advanced significantly since when the legislation was first put into place. Uh, and just in regard to the specific case that we're talking about with this individual who is now you know, allowed, permitted to listen to a podcast or music through his speakers, through his car speakers, if his phone is in his cup holder and he's not touching it, does this potentially change a lot of cases that maybe you would have dealt with in the past? I mean, have you had to deal with this specific issue where, um, you know, you haven't been able to kind of come out on the right side based on this particular argument? Every case that I've dealt with involving somebody who was doing something with the phone in addition to uh, just having it sitting loose were cases where there was some type of physical contact going on. And, you know, the common sense officers out there aren't ticketing people unless they actually see them touch the phone or clearly look at and interact with the phone in some way. So I just just piquing my interest in regards to that response, why do you think this particular individual, this guy in this case, uh, would have you know been receiving a ticket in the first place? Um, there is a, still a lot of confusion, just like there is with the general public, amongst police officers about what is and isn't allowed when it comes to distracted driving. And unfortunately, the, the problem has been that 
court disseminations, not just not just um, in distracted driving litigation, but with everything, court decisions are not disseminated to police and they're not updated on how the courts have ruled. So we see officers ticketing people for things that the courts have said is not a violation of the law um, and people being punished uh, as a result of that because they trust an officer to know the law better than they do. Um, there is some obligation on the police, I think, that's not being met to properly train officers who are going to be enforcing distracted driving laws. Well, I think it all comes back to that uh, that point we were talking about there is that uh, it would make much easier and much more sense if they would go through and clarify all the rules and just make it very much more black and white because it continues to be very, very gray and very, very confusing. And I'm sure we will talk about this a number of times throughout the course of 2021, um, but it would be much simpler if they just clarified everything. Kyla, as always, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate this. Hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll see some of these calls answered sooner than later and and have some more clarity. But until then, I look forward to continue to talk more and more about distracted driving and and other things as well throughout the course of this year. So thanks for this, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks for having me.